yes, 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 and one more time, yes. What is up, my beautiful church family all over the world? Thank you so much for joining me on tonight for Sunday night service. And listen, I believe I have a word for your life. I believe tonight's message, I want to preach to somebody who feels as though nothing is working. I, I would like to preach to somebody who feels like your ministry won't take off, your business won't take off, your marriage won't take off, your marriage is not recovering, you desire to be married, but God, you must have ran out of candidates. Like I said on Thursday, do you have another shipment coming? Can I have a tracking number? Are these all the men you have? Are these all the women you have? Do you have something in the back? I want to encourage somebody who feels like God is hiding you. Yeah, <laughs> like God is hiding you. And I just feel as though the Holy Spirit, I usually tell y'all this later, and I'm gonna tell you it again once we get into the message, but I wanna come out and just go ahead and tell you the title now. The title of tonight's message is, I'm hiding you on purpose. Oh, what do you do when God is hiding you and he's doing it on purpose. This is going to be good, y'all. This is going to be good. I need you to go ahead and tag somebody at this friend, at that friend. And while you're doing it, can you just greet somebody? Just at, hey, what's up, bro? At, you know, Melvin, I see you. At Brittany, I see you. Welcome to church. At somebody, because I believe that tonight's message is possibly going to change somebody's life. Not going to be before you long. I want to get to work. I also want to thank everybody Everybody who has been just so generous with your seeds, you guys have been making a massive difference, especially for everybody who has been affected by Hurricane Ida in Louisiana. And then tomorrow night is our singles night turn up. It is about to be amazing. And I'm thankful, so thankful for what God is doing in your life and what he's going to continue to do in your life. In my life so I want to get to work now usually I have one or two scriptures that serve us as our foundational text but on tonight I have six <laughs> I have six I need you guys to see this and I pray it free somebody we're gonna go to the gospel the gospel of Matthew chapter 13 the gospel of Matthew chapter 13 our first verse in our foundational text is verse 19 Verse 19, this is Jesus speaking. It says, when anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives, this is he who received seed by the wayside. Now let's go down to verse 24. Verse 24 says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Certain translations say buried or hid. Now let's look at verse 31. It says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed 
in his field. Once again, we're seeing this burying or this hiding of a seed, depending on what translation that you're reading. Now, verse 33, again, another parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Let's keep on going. Verse 44, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And our last foundational text, verse 45, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who has joined me on tonight, from this sermonic content, from this sermonic content that we have abstracted from Jesus's sermon notes. <laughs> Just by looking at his sermon notes, there are two things that we could take away and we can walk away with for sure. Two things that we see out of all six of these foundational texts. The number one thing is we could see that Jesus had a zeal and mountainous passion for the kingdom. It is obvious. He just kept on. It was. It is his most used sermon content. The kingdom of heaven is like. 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 This is why I'm doing this kingdom vibes only series. I'm like, how do we have so many churches, so many small groups and Bible studies that aren't discussing the values, the ethics, and the principles and the keys of the kingdom, when, when we look at this text, it is impossible. It is impossible for us to have a Bible study. It is impossible for you to have a Christocentric study session of Jesus' life. It's impossible for you to look through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and not see that Jesus' ministry was set to the temperature of deliverance, love, and kingdom. It's impossible. Y'all just read it with me. It's impossible for you to look and study Jesus' life and not see that the temperature of his ministry was set to deliverance, Love and the kingdom. Deliverance, love, and the kingdom. First, deliverance, because you have not been cosmically created by God to live bound. You have not been cosmically created by God to be bound, to be depressed, to be stressed, to be oppressed. But every impure spirit has got to go. Every unclean spirit has got to go. Every spirit of Leviathan has got to go. Every legion spirit in your bloodline has got to go. The hand of sickness on your life has got to go. 
leprosy on your life in certain areas has got to go. You being blind, that has got to go. All throughout Jesus' life, he's operating with this deliverance. So much so to where he met a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. And he said, listen, bro, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> pick up your mat and walk. And I don't know if y'all like me, but I'd have been like, listen, uh, I've been paralyzed for 38 years. Jerry's not even 38 years old. I still got some time to go before I'm 38 years old. I'm not even 38 years old, but that's a long time to be paralyzed. And if Jesus would have told me, we see it crystal clear in the text. In John chapter 5, verse 8, he says, hey, pick up your mat and walk. I would have had a problem with that. Because, uh, let's modernize this. My mat would have been a trigger. <laughs> the mat would have been a trigger for me. It would have reminded me of everything I have gone through. It would have reminded me of all the times I've been here. All the time I allowed the season to pass. And I'm in this same place. I don't want to pick up my mat. I don't want to pick up my mat. Why would Jesus... Tell this man to pick up his mat and walk. And I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to me and gave me this revelation. God likes to flex his glory like this. I want to make sure that the thing that used to carry you, you are now carrying it. I feel this, y'all. I'm excited. The thing that used to carry you, I want you now to carry it because I know how to transition your trauma to your triumph. What you went through, all of your trauma, I know how to heal you to such a degree that you begin to write about it and it could be a New York bestseller. I know how to transition your trauma to triumph. I know how to heal you so much so to all that trauma you've gone through, you will be healed and you will begin to tell people about it in video form. Tell people about it in video form, what you went through and, and how God did a miraculous work in your life and how God healed you and how you got restored and the scriptures that helped you get through and, and the confessions that helped you heal and you'll post it on YouTube and it'll go viral. It will go viral and millions of people will hear it. I know how to use your mess and turn it into a message. I'm not afraid of your mess because I'm the Messiah. And now you are touching people all over the world because I transitioned your trauma into triumph. And oh, by the way, that will open up the door for bookings. And oh, by the way, that will open up the door for tours. And oh, by the way, that will open up the door for deliverance in somebody else's life. And on top of that, that was monetized on YouTube and Facebook. So now social media is paying you because of what you went through. I know how to transition your trauma into triumph. That's, that's, that's the first reason why I believe Jesus told him to pick up his mat. And walk. The second reason I believe Jesus told him to pick up his mat and walk is so that you will always remain humble when you see somebody else on a mat. Yeah, there it is. There it is. You'll never look down on anybody else who's still laying on the mat of drunkenness. You, you'll never look down on anybody else who is laying on the mat of sexual immorality. Why? Because if you look down on your right... You could see that there's a mat that you used to be on yourself. <laughs> this is so good, y'all. Jesus is obvious. It is crystal clear 
that the temperature of Jesus' ministry was set to deliverance, love, and the kingdom. But if you look at our six foundational texts, I had to show you six, y'all. There's six foundational texts that shows us something about God that I think we often overlook or sometimes forget. And that is God likes hiding stuff. I'm giving you a Bible. God likes hiding stuff. Look at what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a good seed that is buried in a field. God likes hiding stuff, especially things of value. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. God likes hiding stuff, especially things a value. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Are y'all catching this? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. God likes to hide things, especially things of value. And if this be the case, why are you so confused that God is hiding you? Preach Holy Spirit. Break this down where somebody can get it. Why are you so confused that God is hiding you when we just read six scriptures where Jesus is comparing the kingdom to something that has been hidden? And when you find this hidden thing, you sell everything you have for that thing that you found. If God likes hiding stuff, he hides things of value. Why are you so confused that God is hiding you? Think about just, just in nature how God made stuff. Gold is hidden in a gold mine. Crystals are hidden underneath the soil and dirt. Pearls are hidden under the waters, under a shell from an oyster. Everything that has value. God has a methodology of hiding it. This, this is interwoven all throughout the fabric of Scripture. God hides his servants. <laughs> God hides his servants. See, we think many times that God hides us to limit us. I'm trying to get us to see that God hides us to preserve us. We think Nothing happening in my life, no opportunity, no endorsement, no open door, no exposure, no platform, no spouse, no candidate. We think it means God is limiting. I'm trying to get you to see that God preserves this way. It's a kingdom methodology. All, all throughout the fabric of scripture, we see this. God had Joseph hidden in prison. He was on reserve for a time of when his gift and assignment was needed. For when the conditions would be ripe and his heart was right. God hides things he values. David was hidden in a pasture. He was reserved. Everybody knew King Saul. But God had somebody on reserve in the pasture. God had him on reserve for a time of when his gift and his assignment would be needed. 
It was a time for conditions to be ripe and his heart to be right. God has a pattern of hiding things that he values. Even with Elijah, the exact words God told Elijah was go to Cherith and hide yourself. I have a pattern of keeping things on reserve for a time of when your gift and your assignment is needed. When conditions are ripe and your heart is right, God has a system of hiding things that are valuable. We see it with Moses. God had Moses hidden in the desert. Dealing with him because I'm going to need you to go and be a deliverer for my people. I have Moses on reserve for a time of when his gift and his assignment would be needed. When conditions were ripe and his heart was ripe. God has a way of hiding, of covering things he values. Even in the New Testament, we see this with Paul. After Paul's conversion, he is hidden for three years, getting trained and getting discipled. God had him on reserve. God had him on reserve for a time when his gift and his assignment would be needed, when conditions were ripe and his heart was ripe. See, sometimes we have to understand this, and I think about my own life. I think about when my wife and I began to do webisodes. We get messages all the time, man, if I would have heard this 20 years ago, if I would have heard this 30 years ago, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, was, I was still a baby <laughs> back then. I was, I was like, I was young. And I think like, okay, see, I don't even think conditions were ripe back in like 1999 or 2000. People still like thugs. <laughs> girls will still, I need a soldier. Yeah, I, I need me a, I need me a hot boy. What you need, girl? I need a hot boy. Like, that was popular back then. A hot boy. That was popular back then. A hot boy. You know? Therapy and, and getting counseling. That wasn't as common as it is now. God had me in the incubator of his sovereign timing. And God had Tanisha in the incubator of his sovereign timing. Because there's going to be a time where your generation no longer wants hot boys. Your generation no longer wants hot girls. Your generation wants somebody with integrity. I want to know, is he respectable? Is she respectable? Back then, it was, I want somebody unpredictable. Now, I don't want unpredictable. I want predictable. Will he come home? Can I predict that he will come home? Will he not hit me upside my head? Can I predict that? Can I predict that she going to respect me? I want somebody who's predictable because that shows consistency. Back then, that possibly wasn't valued. Oh, but the conditions now are ripe for healing. The conditions now are ripe for people to get therapy. The, the conditions now are right for people to get therapy. The conditions now are ripe for people to want to do things God's way. I don't want to go through what my mama went through. I don't want to go through what auntie went through. I don't want to go through what my cousin went through. So now I value content that teaches me how to do things the king's way. We were on reserve for a time when our gift and our assignment would be needed when conditions are ripe and our hearts are right. God has a system of covering and hiding things that he values.
I feel this all in my spirit, y'all. God is trying to speak to somebody, and he's saying, listen, I hide you. I hide you for the purpose of oil revelation, training, and timing. Can I get somebody to put that in the room? God trains me for the purpose of oil revelation, timing, and training. Listen, David got anointed. Oil was poured on his head while he was hidden in the pasture. So he has, he has a palace anointing, but pasture placement. He had a revelation of his oil before anybody knew his name. Before there was ever a Goliath for him to fight, he got oil poured on him in the pasture. Listen, listen, this is important. I'm just echoing what I said on Thursday. Knowing your oil is a gift to your future self. Does this make sense? Knowing your oil is a gift to your future self. Why? Because I'm more discerning when I know my oil. When I know I have oil for the palace, I won't date pasture. I won't date pasture. Why? Because I'm not staying here. When I have a revelation of my oil, I don't feel rejected because somebody in the pasture doesn't accept me. Their lack of revelation of my oil is not a receipt of my value. Did y'all hear what I just said? Their lack of revelation of my oil is not the receipt to my value. It is not my fault that you can't discern that I'm not staying here. It is not my fault that you can't discern that I have oil for the palace. I'm not staying here. Knowing your oil is a gift to your future self. Your discernment issues are not my identity issue because I have a revelation of my oil. I have a revelation of my oil. And there will always be a time in your life, there will always be a time in your life when your oil doesn't match your placement. What you're anointed for does not match where you currently are. It doesn't. Your oil doesn't match the place you are. And you have to get this because if you don't understand that this is one of the methodologies of the kingdom, you'll start being negligent and despise your slingshot. I don't know what your slingshot is, but for David, God was training him in the pasture. See, this is a season where you train. This is not where you're going to be attained. I'm not going to keep you here forever. For David, it was literally his slingshot. For you, it could be your voice. For you, it could be your podcast. For you, it could be your penmanship. Whatever it is, when you don't understand that this is the methodology of the kingdom, that God hides you because you're valuable, and I have to get you to get a revelation of your oil, you will start to be negligent with your slingshot. I'm training you, David. I'm training you. The bear, that's just practice for Goliath. I need you to train. I'm training you, David. The lion, that's just practice for Saul. I'm training you. This is the season where you perfect your gift. Don't just be good, be excellent. Don't just be good, be excellent. Because excellence separates. 
I'm preaching to somebody, y'all. Don't just be good at what God gave you. Be excellent with it. Have an excellent spirit. This is why I have always been so passionate about the quality of our cameras and the quality of lighting and the quality of audio. In the season where nobody knew me, when I'm going on Facebook Live and nobody comes in, nobody, <laughs> nobody comes in, I'm being faithful with building and constructing and trying to sharpen my craft. What cameras will look best? What mic would be best? What lighting is best? Because I want to be excellent with what God gave me. I'm training you. I'm training you. I'm not punishing you. I'm training you. I'm not punishing you. Somebody put that in the room. I'm training you. I'm not punishing you. I'm training you. I'm not punishing you. And when you don't understand that this is the methodology of the king, when you don't understand it, you'll be fighting so hard to be seen. Business cards and flyers and this ad and that ad. And you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, and you're pushing, and you're pushing, and you're pushing. You're fighting so hard to be seen that you're blindfolded to the reality that God is training you for your scene. Did y'all catch that? You're fighting so hard to be seen, but God is training you for your scene. I don't want you corrupted by what they're doing on that scene. I have a scene designed and dedicated just for you, and I'm trying to build in you character right now. I want you to be integral right now. I want you to have discipline right now. Because who you are behind closed doors, that's who you really are. I want to train you in the dark places. I want to mold you in the secret places. The only person who knows is me and you. I want to deal with your Jacob. I want to deal with you now. I'm training you. When you don't understand that this is the method of the king, it will create space for us to entertain the voice of Satan. God is hiding you on purpose for your purpose. When you don't understand that the king likes hiding things, it gives space to the voice of Satan. It gives space to the voice of discouragement. And you probably just breezed past our foundational text at verse 19. But verse 19 corroborates my claim in our foundational text. Look at it once again. It says, whenever anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. When you don't understand that God is hiding you on purpose, for your purpose, it creates space for the wicked one to come and try to snatch what God has placed in your heart. And my prayer, my prayer on tonight after hearing this word is may we be people where the enemy cannot snatch the peace of God from my heart because we haven't understood that this is the methodology of the king. When God hides something, when God values something, he hides it 
Father, in the name of Jesus, would you allow us to understand that you keeping us preserved, you keeping us reserved, you covering us is not because you are trying to punish us or you are limiting us, but it is because you're trying to teach us, to try and to train us. You yourself told us the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. Meaning this is not something we stumble over. It's going to take intentionality to seek your face. It's going to take intentionality to have a devotion life. Help us to be intentional with embracing the season where you have us hidden. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room a man? A man for part seven of this Kingdom Vibes Only series. I want to speak a few more moments from this thought, from this subject. I'm hiding you on purpose. I'm hiding you on purpose. Confession time. You know how I do. Let's speak the word over ourselves. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? Tonight you are interacting with me. Put this in the room in all caps. Thank you, Lord, for covering me, hiding me. And shielding me, I must be that special. <laughs> One more time. Thank you, Lord, for covering me, hiding me, and shielding me. I must be that special. I must be that special. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and they don't, understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches it away from their heart i want us to understand and i want us to get this on tonight that whatever god values he hides this is not because you're being attained this is because you're being trained see i think one of the downfalls of social media. Social media can be an awesome tool, but, but I think one of the downfalls of social media is that we constantly get exposed to everybody's presented world. <laughs> like emphasis on presented because most people don't post their failures. Like they don't post who they really are. They post who they want you to think they are. Cropped, edited, filtered version of what, you, what we think of what they want you to think their world is like. I think one of the downfalls of social media is that we constantly are exposed to everybody's presented world. Like, when I was in middle school, this just shows you how fast our world is changing, how fast technology is evolving. When I was in middle school, when we came back from Christmas break, I would have to ask my friend, what did you do for Christmas? <laughs> you would have to tell me. Now, I could just go on Instagram and see you went skiing. Your whole family was in New York. Y'all had a beautiful wooden cabin in Utah. Y'all went ice fishing. All I have to do is go on YouTube. You recorded everything, every meal you ate, every Christmas cookie, every snow cone, every snowman. Like every single thing you did, you posted. You, you posted it. So I didn't have to ask. 
I like teachers, how, how teachers will give us assignments, write down what you did for Christmas break. You don't have to do that no more. I can just go and I can look at your IG. I can just look, go look at your Facebook. And I'm fully aware of everything you did. But back when I was in like eighth grade, the only way I would know what you did is you would have to tell me or show me your photo album. <laughs> you have to tell me or show me your photo album. Now there is an overwhelming exposure to everybody's perceived world. An overwhelming exposure to everybody's perceived world, so much so to where if I don't have mental discipline or mental fortitude and if I don't hear messages like this, due to me seeing everybody's perceived world, I will start to think that God forgot about me. I will start to think that God forgot about me and Everybody's life is doing so much better than mine, and I tried to get us to understand this before. It's not that everybody is doing better than you. Sometimes it's they're a better editor than you. I know how to crop out things. <laughs> I know how to add filters to make my life appear to be at a place it's not. This is why I always tell people, especially couples, don't ever say you want a marriage like so-and-so. You don't know what's behind that curtain. People have perfected the game of selfies. They have perfected presentation, but really be dealing with devils. You don't know what's behind that curtain. And so due to us being exposed to everybody's world, and there's so much information at the fingertip of a scroll, it will be hard for us to value what God is doing in the season of our night because everybody we follow appears to be in the season of daylight. Did you hear me? It will be hard because I'm surrounded by everybody's perceived world. It will be hard for me to appreciate and value what God is doing in the season of my night because everybody I follow appears to be in the season of daylight. See, like in the generation we live in now, we have all types of cameras. This is like one of my favorite. It's a, it's a Nikon camera. And so I don't know if they had this back when I was in middle school. They could have, but I don't know. But, but now they have cameras where, where you could zoom in and you could take pictures. Like, like. You can take all types of pictures, and the thing is, after you take the picture, you can see it. Like I, I can see right here, whatever image I want to see, I can see it right here. If I'm on a video camera, I can see whatever image I want to see right here. <laughs> right here, I can see the image. But um, when uh, I was in school, the cameras that were popular were these type of cameras. Y'all remember these Polaroids? <laughs> these type of cameras. Now, now, these are a little different because unlike the DSLR mirrorless camera where I could take a picture and I could instantly see what it looks like, this camera, when I take a picture, I'm going to have to wait a while. I'm going to have to wait a while to see what it looks like. I can't post this right now because it's still becoming. I can't share this right now because it's still becoming. It's not like the DSLR where it's instant, but it's more Polaroid. I got to wait on it. You got to wait on it. It's not that it's going to happen, but I'm frustrated because of the technology of instant has caused for me to despise the Polaroid process. 
Did you hear me? The technology of instant has caused for me to despise the Polaroid process. What do you do when what God is doing is not available for people to see? What do you do when God is working on you in the dark? And so many of us have forgotten just because technology has advanced does not mean the way that God develops us has changed. This is so powerful, y'all. I still have a process to where I have to work on you while it's becoming. And I know you live in a society where everything is, whatever you want, you can get it instant. Whatever you desire, you can get it instant. You can see it. But there's a process that I have for all my children to go through. And for the point of the sermon, we're going to call it the Polaroid process, where you can't see clearly what I'm doing, but you know it's working. See, some of us used to do this. I don't know if y'all used to do this. I don't even know if this works, <laughs> but we used to fan it. We would try to fan it for it could hurry up and we could see the image. And I think this is what God is trying to do with this word on the night. I'm trying to fan the flame on the inside of your soul to let you know whatever is valuable to me, I hide it. I work best in the dark. Let me give you a Bible. Look, Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, a familiar passage of scripture. It says, that night, Jacob, emphasis on night, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Isn't that a weird transition? You went from wrestling to holding. Okay. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. This, this from a theological perspective, is a theophany or a Christophany. It is when we see the Lord in Scripture. This is, this is Jacob wrestling with the Lord. He's wrestling with the Lord in a dark place. He's struggling with the Lord in a dark place. Hold on a second. I think we need to pause and have a virtual praise break. Because is there anybody thankful that God doesn't deal with your Jacob at noon, but he deals with it at night? When nobody knows what you're dealing with, when nobody knows what you're struggling with, when nobody knows what you're battling with, I'm dealing with all of that in the dark. What warfares are you having in the dark? But you're screaming and discontent because you want the daylight when God is like, but you're still Jacob. We all have a Jacob and an Israel 
on the inside of us, Jerry included. There is a Jacob and there is an Israel on the inside of me. And there is a Jacob and there is an Israel on the inside of you. Your Jacob is your current self. Your Israel is your next level self. And I want to deal with you in the dark. It's not a closed door. It's a dressing room. There's some stuff I'm trying to work through right here. Because when they see you, they will judge you by your Jacob issue. So I'm trying to deal with you in the dark, Jacob, when you're hidden. Everything else is sent away. Your possessions, his wives, his children. I'm dealing with you in a hidden place. In a hidden place. And I'm like, how, how does he go from wrestling to holding? You got to look at the text. You got to look at the text. The text says, when daybreak, let me go for it is daybreak. Daybreak is when the sun starts to rise. I believe Jacob was wrestling. He was wrestling with this man, and then this man touched his hip because when God truly touches you, you can never walk the same. <laughs> when God touches you, you can never truly walk the same. He's wrestling with him, and then as the light begins to shine on him, he recognizes he's wrestling with God. Here's a word for somebody. The blessing comes when you stop wrestling but start holding. Look how he shifts. He shifts from wrestling with the man to holding on to the man. And then he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he doesn't bless him. He asks him, what's your name? What's your name? What's your issue? What's your struggle? Because Jacob means deceiver. What's your name? What are we trying to work on in the dark? When you acknowledge your struggle, then I can bless you to be Israel. When God has us in these hidden seasons, these seasons of obscurity, I believe there are four types of people that we could be. We could be a perfectionist, extra strategist, demonologist, or an evangelist. Your perfectionists are people where that training season feels like punishment. The training season feels like punishment because perfectionists are blindfolded to progression. They're so caught up on what they don't have that they can't even see what no longer has them. Perfectionist. Perfectionist. And then I think we have our exit strategist. These are people you just trying to get out. If I start praying, I'm going to get out. If I start fasting, I'm going to get out. If I start binging this Kingdom Vibes Only series, I'm going to get out. If I start listening to this podcast, I'm going to get out. If I start waking up every morning at 6 a.m., I'm going to get out. You're trying so hard to get out that you don't even recognize God is trying to get your Jacob out. Exit strategist. And it's an uncomfortable season. But one thing Jerry has learned, you have to learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's better to stand in the discomfort of evolution than the graveyard of familiarity, the exit strategist. And then we have the demonologist. This is the person where everything's the devil. Nobody saw my video, it's the devil. My mic start making noises while we live, it's the devil. The video start buffering, it's the devil. <laughs> this sermon start freezing, it's the devil. Everything is the devil. The demonologist. The people who end up on blaming the devil for a process God is behind.
demonologist. The evangelist is the one who recognizes this is a season to help me grow. And I want to tell other people that God likes hiding things. Whatever is valuable, God hides. I'm hiding you on purpose for your purpose. A few points and I'm done. So why does God hide us? Number one, he wants to give us a trained ear. He wants to give us a trained ear. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I'm trying to train your ear. Ornithologists, these are people who study birds, have recognized that songbirds can learn their song in the shell. It's just they're hearing their parents sing. They're hearing things around them. And due to what they hear, is causing for them to want to break out. When you hear a word like this, it could cause for you to break out of the shell of discouragement, break out of the shell of disbelief, break out of the shell of it's not going to happen. Because now you understand that it's not God punishing me, it's God training me. Because the kingdom methodology is to hide whatever is valuable. And when you find that thing that is valuable, you'll sell everything you have for the kingdom. A trained ear. Number two, God has us in the season of being hidden for trained trust. Trained trust. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. You were so used to Pharaoh feeding you. I'm going to rain down manna. I'm going to rain down bread of heaven to teach them to trust me. If I supply it for you today, I'm going to supply for you tomorrow. You were used with you were used to Pharaoh giving you bread. I want you to become used to Yahweh giving you bread. So don't get more than enough, just get enough for today so I could train you to trust me that if I provide it for you today, I'm also going to provide for you tomorrow. Number three, the hidden season is so that we could have a trained house. That's what I've been talking about the last two Thursdays. God has a plan for the home. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his, look y'all, house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus is not saying you won't go through. He's not saying you won't get hit. He's not even saying you won't get tested. He's saying, but as long as your foundation is on me and I have trained you to be built on the rock, then no matter what hits you, you won't collapse. Trained house. The next reason why God hides us, to give you trained feet. Proverbs 4, chapter 26, give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to your right or to your left. Keep your foot from evil. Listen, for God to direct our path, we must have surrendered feet, trained feet. And last reason why God hides us, 
He's trying to train your appetite. Trying to train your appetite. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 from the Message Bible. It says, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God does not require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He will reward you well. I wanted to come on just for a few moments to encourage somebody that the methodology of the king is when it's valuable to hide it. Because if we don't understand this, when we don't know the words of the kingdom and don't understand it, the wicked one will come and snatch that word from our heart. And I want you to understand that God is hiding you on purpose for your purpose. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for this word. I pray that you bring a calmness and a stillness to somebody's heart right now who has been pushing and grinding because they're fighting so hard to be seen and not recognizing that you're training them for their scene. We love you so much, God. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.